I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Standing up and speaking out, here's Hal Sparks. Well, uh, to quote the L.A. Times and every other, um, I guess, uh, beach-adjacent news um, paper in the country, the beach is back. And Memorial Day weekend is is swiftly, almost instantly, what pandemic. Um, and, And the... The number of people who've gotten vaccinated is ever increasing. It looks like uh, the the goal of 70 percent of adults being vaccinated in the United States, which, of course, is everyone but Republicans, if you do the math. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, it, it is going to be met before July 4th. Um, yeah. It's going to probably be met the third week if, the, if, if people keep on track, and they seem to be, because a lot of people have got their first dose So they're already technically on the road to it. You just got to go and get your second dose so that you have full immunity and you don't have to worry about that, especially since, you know, we get news all the time that Vietnam is seeing a a really scary strain of it break off and and the like. And I I remember do you remember the whole MERS and early SARS storylines and stuff and the scares that came around those that there were as you know, as they were trying to sort of trap and trace where it was coming from. If you had heard at that time that there was as many variant strains breaking off, it would have been a nightmare. It was the fact that it was kept in a fairly small, it was fairly contained. It wasn't as, those weren't as contagious. And therefore, keeping them narrowly focused on one particular crowd and not letting it spread to the greater populace was a little easier. But if at that time... During SARS and MERS, we had heard all these stories of, oh, my God, there's a strain in Brazil that's totally, you know, like if you if you have immunity from it, from the original one, it can still get you. And there's a now there's one in Vietnam. There's two in China. There's a it would have been a a panic on the level that we saw now, which, by the way, is one of the reasons why, if you'll recall, the uh, Obama administration put together a pandemic response team. Huh, let's get rid of that because it's yeah, Obama's name. I know. Why would you why would you want to do adult crap in adult world circumstances? It's almost like uh, trying to figure out what triggers earthquakes and seeing if we can get ahead of those things or perhaps having hurricane watchers or satellite imaging that can tell us more precisely where the winds are going so that more people can get out of the way. And so um, some idiot doesn't just go, well, hell, it's probably going to hit up in here. So let me just draw on this map with a Sharpie. Instead of following the actual satellite tracking, I'm just going to go, it's probably going to hit Alabama. Look at that. It's terrible. It's only because I said no. I I turned back the winds. I love the Sharpie. Yeah. So, um, you know, with with the increasing number of people being vaccinated, with people understanding CDC's guidelines about being outside, the first place people are going, man, is the beach. They are out there. So, you know, keep your... You know, keep your uh, hopes alive. Um, you know, very, you know, very soon we'll be back to, uh, you know, shark attacks and drunk sea, drunk sea dew accidents being the main killer of people at the beach and not maskless. I do miss the shark attack. Like before Watch. 9-11, news right. is all shark attacks. Yeah, it's because there is something and that, you know, I don't want to 
spill the tea and get Project Veritas on me. But um, there is something that where the news uh, chase this idea. If it bleeds, it leads. And nothing bleeds like a shark attack. Honestly, yeah. it's a it's out of nowhere. It's random. You know, it's not personal or is it? By the third movie, it's personal. By Jaws three, Jaws it's personal. Jaws three, it's personal. Yeah. It's definitely personal. But um, but over, you know, knowing that sharks were out there, knowing that the ocean is a lot of fun, and that constant, you know, tug and pull between tug and play between ah, surfing's fun, also sharks, you know, is a is an integral part of humans' experience with nature. You know what I mean? And so also sharks. Also sharks, you know, that's so that would I I would be standing on the beach with a surfboard going, this seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. Also sharks. There is also sharks as a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. So over the course of, you know, the summer, I mean, if you listen quietly, you know how you can go to the beach, you can pick up a shell and you can hold it up to your ear and you can hear the ocean. Right now, if you went to uh, the ocean, you found a, a big conch shell and you held it up to your uh, ear, the sound you would be hearing is the sound of right-wing talking points dying a horrible death. Because there are, there are several primary fears that the Republicans have been using, the, you know, the shark attack of communist encroachment socialism is just a stepping stone to communism and all this government spending by god it's not a rescue package we're not in an extraordinary situation this was a pandemic anyways and it's a fake virus that was created in a lab i mean can you imagine trying to coordinate the talking points traffic you know you know you're see the people who like are the traffic coordinator for a major metropolitan city right. and they have to work on the timing of stoplights because, oh, my God, we we slowed some of these stoplights in the east part of town. And now we have these jam ups on the freeway that seem totally unrelated, but are absolutely we fix those stoplights and suddenly the freeways open up again. What was happening like those kind of the the mine, minute changes that yeah. trigger ginormous ones. Right. Um, that's what it's got to be with right wing talking points right now. Because, I mean, the nightmare for them of Joe Biden in particular, the 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 thing that scares the, the hell out of them is that everything he's presenting is, quite frankly, largely reasonable within the conscious grasp of most voters. Anybody who's, as I say on the regular stream on planet Earth and not on Moonbase A-Hole, which is where sort of the extremists of both parties, you know, take turns putting each other in a noogie, you know. Um, the rest of us are like, yeah, it, yes, I would consider broadband infrastructure now. Would you have considered it that in 1930s? In the 1930s? Probably not, because there was no such thing as a computer. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you know, we're expanding our idea of infrastructure. Does, uh, do healthcare centers qualify as infrastructure for the sake of reconciliation? Probably not. Are they facilitators for the work environment? Maybe so. But uh, do you call them infrastructure? Do you call them some other crucial thing? Do we have another word for something that's crucial, but that isn't technically infrastructure? That's, you know, these are, you know, that this is the debate of our current time because we have, uh, 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 you know, all shark attack stories aside, (laughs) Um, a surprisingly stable society, even through the Trump years. And 
There are two things. It's a miracle. It is. It's, you know, the thing I think that stands out to me that I've been watching, and I've been, the amount of right-wing, like, flailing that is going on right now. The, the, do you understand how far down into the New York Times back section or the life and style section or one op-ed in one paper that they have to go or a story? Literally, they were chasing on on one of the, uh, you know, the many psycho right wing podcast things that I cover on my on my live stream. They were chasing a story this week about a, a school where a teacher was fired for suggesting that uh something something racist was the reason why they were fired was and the, and the teacher turned out not to actually be fired they were put on leave and the point that they were trying to make they argued was was limited by the fact that they were not in person they were on zoom and so people getting oh we lost johnny again there goes skype again i don't know what's going on with that it's weird it's this it, i will switch back to me and then i'll fix it in the interim and then we'll have to enjoy the skype um uh story um, maybe that's just an ongoing thing. We're going to bring it back in with Zoom. Um, let me take an early break. I know it's the only 13 minutes after the hour, but I'm going to take an early break, bring Johnny back in, because I want him to be here for this part of the discussion, and I want to discuss with you guys in the chat room. And welcome to the show, by the way. It's the House Park Radio Program, Mega Worldwide, here on WCPT, WCPT 820. And, of course, we are a podcast as well, against my better judgment. It's true. I acquiesced. I allowed my, my, my beautiful show to be turned into a, the House Parks Radio podcast, Mega Worldwide, on the Sexy Liberal Podcasting Network, uh, which uh, Stephanie lured me into, as she does with so many others. Um, we'll be back right after this. Um, and and I, I want you guys to think about for a second, after all the flailing about January 6th, and we'll talk about that as well, the Republicans are doing everything they can to fight anyone looking at not just what happened on the 6th, but how they actually govern. And I, of course, govern in air quotes. We'll be back right after this. Now let's get back with HealthSparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. Welcome back to the show. Thanks. Fixed it, uh, as I often do. Um, And uh, we are here every Saturday. Don't forget to Add WCPT to your uh, your car. Pl- program it in. Get it in there. So it's all your favorite liberal talkers get some ear holes to talk into. It's very important. Um, now, over the course of... And hi, chat room. Love you guys. Uh, now that I've got all of our tech concerns out of the um, out of the way, I can, I can say a proper hi to you guys. Um, this, you know, it, it shouldn't surprise anyone that... The Republicans hate being Republicans more than more than any other thing in their life. They hate being Republicans because Republicans aren't, you know, necessarily it's not indicative of their character or their uh, their principles or any of that anymore. It is strictly their governing uh, their governing apparatus. This is the the method. Being a Republican is the delivery system of Trumpian aggravation and sort of wailing and gnashing of teeth that goes on in certain, you know, conservative communities. Right. That, you know, if they if they had their druthers, they dial back their whole existence, you know, to the edge of their property, you know, um, and basically sit on the porch going, get off my land. 
um, and as a as a is effectively their raison d'etre in life. That would be it, right? But unfortunately, um, for them, I suppose, America is a great country. And this great country requires a great government. And the freedoms that are created in, in the Constitution, yeah, require maintenance and preservation, right? And normally... The tug and pull between what would be liberals and conservatives in, uh, in, in terms of governance would be the idea that the more freedoms you have, the more finely written your laws must be so that you do not step on more freedoms in, you know, in your prote- you know, protection of people from those freedoms and obviously gun laws are the obvious one, but even in, you know, in free speech, you have, we do not have the absolute right of free speech. And anybody who tells you they want it is, uh, is just mad they can't sell child porn or snuff films or help ISIS get a website. Because that's, I mean, if, if every time I hear Michael Lindell or one of these people going, people are going to be able to come here and there'll be no censorship. That's nonsense. <laughs> We have reasonable levels of censorship in our society. The question is, what's reasonable? And there will always be a tug and play around the uh, the margins, where we're, are, is it okay to yell fire in a crowded theater if you're there because everybody goes and watches Backdraft and it's now a cult film, and every time something catches fire, the whole place yells fire. Is it okay then? Yes. Right. Yeah. There's a reasonable expectation um, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the variance in those rights, because it's based on the understanding of the people involved that, you know, that you can that the that people who believe that verbal consent is incredibly important in a sexual interaction might tend to be thought of as offensive at a swingers party <laughs> because those people have given that consent just by showing up and you're coming in and you're ruining the fun for everyone. You're, you're, it's like a nun walking around and you're bumming us all out, right? That would be the idea. So in, in the amount of freedoms you have, in a, in a country where there's no freedoms, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, there originally were Ten Commandments and it was pretty, if you got caught coveting or killing, it was the same punishment. <laughs> Seems fair, right? Yeah, they kind of, and they, I, they, well, when you start at nine, Yes. There, there's not a whole lot of nuance. No, there isn't. And in, and in a country like America, unfortunately, for people who, who beg, who need, and, and this applies to um, religious extremists and uh, political extremists of all types, is that they uh, psychologically, according to studies, seek certainty. And I have news for you, folks. In a world of 7 billion people, there is next to no certainty in terms of how other people are going to behave. There are variances in that, and you can choose your path of protection for variance uh, from one direction. You, and, it, and the one that, again, comes up the most is probably around guns, in that do you call the police or do you carry a gun yourself? Right? That would be the... Uh, there are too many variables. There are too many possible killers. There's too many Ted Bundys out there in the world. There's a- actively... 500 serial killers at any given time that the FBI is looking into tracing or working on capturing. That's 10 per state. 
If you feel like, well, my state's very populous, I could dodge that guy just not by by not helping someone with a busted arm into a van. Um, you know, then you might feel like, I, you know, if I feel sketchy, I'll just call the police and go, what's this dude in the van doing? But if you live out in the woods and there's only 15 people in your town, I mean, it, odds are you go to church with that serial killer. So there's a problem, right? And you're, you might be going, I might, I might need some open carry, buddy. Come on now. So Come on. Th- this is this is the back and forth. And, and in dealing with those things, in dealing with the reasonable execution of the expansion and contraction of laws about what's necessary to protect the vast majority of people, as many as you can, without encroaching on the ultimate freedoms of everyone else to create an imbalance in society where it's draconian for no particular reason and the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness thing gets stepped on. Because that's, I mean, there's a lot of screwing up in life. There's a lot of mistakes, bad language, uh, ill will, you know, changes in philosophy and ideas over the course of one's life that is found in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If we weren't all jerks yesterday, we wouldn't need tomorrow. Time passes forward for a reason, and one of them is regretting things you've done in the past so that you can carry that regret in a positive way so that you act better in the future, right? I'm not one of these people. Never regret what you've done. That's crap. As re- regret is one of the best ways to tailor it's your own behavior. About Ace Frehley's uh, autobiography. What's his? Uh, really? What? You, no regrets. Really? Oh yeah, mistakes? right. Really, Ace? Yeah, really. Yeah. No, I, I, I think uh, it is madness to avoid your own personal regrets. And it also, by the way, if you ignore your own regrets, you'll never actually ignore the regrets of other people. You'll never look at people who've made mistakes and go, well, no regrets in my life, so no regrets in your life. We're all good. The minute you walk out the door, no one has any background that I'm going to have a problem with. Like, nobody believes that, especially in the no regrets crowd. That's the irony, right? It's never going to work that way. So in the messiness of life, we are all hashing out the best way forward with the most freedoms and liberties, but within the whole, like, uh, hey, Mike Lindell, you are absolutely going to have censorship of a form, a terms of service. I wouldn't even call it censorship because that would say that these people have a valid point of view or a valid thing that they're saying and not just yelling fire. It's not censorship to stop someone from yelling fire in a crowded theater. It isn't. Unless you are applying the fire in a crowded theater thing to a bunch of people who are watching backdraft and it's become the new Rocky Horror. Then and you go, I just don't like hearing it through my window and it scares me. And you're like, well, shut your window on Friday nights at midnight. Everybody knows they're yelling fire or whatever, or just monitor police channels. You'll be fine. So in that variance, there has been a huge bifurcation in the political sphere. This is the divided America we hear about all the time. And we do hear about, and there is a tremendous amount of reactionary behavior online because it is extremes it, it's it is the small it's the little brother that big brother was supposed to be 
Big Brother was supposed to be this big, scary governmental mechanism that watches everything you do. And in reality, Little Brother is the one that's always filming what you're doing, that's always texting about what you did and all those kind of things, kind of monitoring your behavior to make sure you stay within social bounds. Sometimes it results in better behavior and learning, and sometimes it results in, in you know, just abstract stomping of people for a misunderstanding. That's what, the, you know, that, that's what brought George Carlin to to go, you know, maybe it's not politicians that suck. Maybe it's the public that sucks. That was his whole basis of the idea, right? That Big Brother isn't really the fear Little Brother is. And so in that extremity, and I do have a point here, in that extremity, what you see is the, the right wing especially desperately trying to cling on to the shark attack idea of the Biden administration, that everything they do is there's a shark in the water. Yeah, you got your surfboard. You're looking at this rescue package. Yeah, you're looking at infrastructure. But the shark in the water is communism. It's lurking there. You just got in on it. And so they're standing on the beach just screaming shark when there is none. And then when there is a shark in the water... They're like, why are you screwing Beach Day for everyone? Because, the, you know, it, it, is, it is maddening to watch them try to, you know, thread this needle thinner and thinner each time. And in the case of the Biden administration, everything they're offering up is absolutely the destruction of our economy and the creation of communism and the absolute burning of the constitution like it's the flag at a you know at an antifa rally that's that's this is this is it, and it's beyond hyperbole this is now the language of the right so much so that if anybody i mean there are people on the left where if you speak reasonably of a republican they'll dive into your twitter dms and and be rude to you and it will t- and and a lot of you know liberals will carve themselves out of that by addressing that person's concerns and going no 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 listen to what i'm saying not what I'm-. there's a conversation that occurs sometimes it helps sometimes it doesn't i have those all the time um in in just trying to treat someone with humanity that i disagree with and and not uh paint entire groups in a bigoted fashion <laughs> Um, it, you can get in trouble with the groups that are going, well, bigotry is one, it, you know, is always available as a tool, right? And there are those people. They do exist. It's different, though, with like kind of online, uh, you know, thought police on the left, like, you know, minor groups of them that try to do this stuff versus the entire structure of the right wing media sphere is now built on this. If you ain't Trump, you're out. If you don't toe the line, you're not just, you know, as Trump used to say, probably a Democrat, which was his, remember his big yeah, thing. They're they prob- don't want to admit it. That's the weird part. They're so deep in this. And, like, you can't admit it, but then you've got to. Well, haven't you been in that kind of an argument, out. Johnny? Haven't you been in an argument where you're so deep into it and you realize you're kind of in the wrong and you might have a way to back out, but God darn the other person's awful. So you're like, you know what? <laughs> I may be wrong, but you're awful. I can be right. That can be fixed. But you're still going to be an awful person. (laughs) Right? 
You're just mean. I don't care if I'm wrong. I'm not arguing my facts anymore. I'm arguing how mean you are. Right? That everybody's been in that like, no, no, I'm not. Uh. Yeah, I was wrong. Great. Now mean person gets to run around thinking they're right. Do you imagine the damage yeah. they can do? Right. That's the argument that people get into. I mean, that was the basis of most email flame wars back in the day. But I'm. I want to go through some of the, when we come back from the break, I want to talk about some of the, like, the right-wing responses to Trump just getting in legal trouble that if he wasn't president, he would already be in. He was on his way to being in. And, and, and all being president did was pause it and protect him for four years and allowed him to build a wall of his own to, to shore up his defenses against this with using idiot maggot supporters and their money as human shields against his own petty real estate and tax schemes. We'll be back right after this. It's the House Park Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on WCPT Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. There's sharks everywhere. They're all around us. Now let's get back to House Park's radio program, Mega Worldwide. Let's. We love you, Doris, by the way. Um, big hug to you and Precious. Um, so, you know, the, the Biden administration is presenting, uh, it, you know, he presented a $6 trillion 10-year budget over time, right? This is the, oh, my God, what in the world? $6 trillion, $6 trillion, trillion, tr- trillion we're not even talking about billions anymore. This is tr- trillions. The American economy is somewhere, depending on your your belief system about what the fluidity is of the American economy, is 21 to 27 trillion dollars in money exchanged through it every single year. Let me repeat that. 21 to 26 trillion dollars running through it every single year. Now. Um, six trillion dollars is a lot of money, but only if you look at it in terms of the population of the country in 1951, the number of jobs that existed in 1935, the, you know, the, uh, interaction in our economy with other countries in 1920, right? If you look at it in those terms, it's ridiculous. I mean, by God. At one point, you know, if we all go back like Marty McFly to November 5th, 1955, nobody has two television sets. Now a lot of people have their old flat screen in their garage. Flat, flat screen televisions, which are straight up Star Trek. Can, you, can we just all agree on that now? It's not, I mean, think about, remember like MTV Cribs in the late 90s where a flat screen was really just... It was a projection TV in a giant box, and rappers had two of them, you know? And then we got to the 2000s where they were more available, and then there's like, yeah, I put the old one in the bathroom. (laughs) You know, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, yeah. In in those terms, in a a society where you're not interacting with other economies on the level, where we are not able to, where in in an America where you can't sell Coca Cola, to to the nation of India with a billion people in it and be the primary soda of an entire other country 
that has a billion people in it buying a beverage you sell for U.S. 85 cents to half of them six times a day. Yeah. Where I mean, how many of you did you watch um, uh, Rachel's segment about the F-150? Did you see her segment about that? The the, the oh, electric. It was a while ago, right? The, well, it was like a week ago. The the electric F one fifty. So so Biden wrote in the F one fifty that's coming out. The electric F one fifty, which is a price point oh, okay. of un- yeah yeah. It's an electric truck that can tow a million pounds or some nonsense. They've had it tow a train, right? And yeah. and then a train full of trucks. And it's I mean the torque on an electric motor is I mean is insane these days, like the power that they're able to get into it. And so the Ford F-150 sells, I want to say, like $48 billion a year in business. Just the the F-150. Yeah, it's it's a huge... It is. The F-150 is the entire U.S. economy in 1935. Right. Let Let me say that again. If every worker in, in, in the U.S. was making the F-150, not all of Ford's cars, the F-150, that's the entirety of the material. And by the way, even if they were making $48 billion as a national economy, they, no one at that time could buy a phone that had t- speaks to someone on the other side of the world for free. Mm-hmm. You know, no one could it could watch a, it could use a satellite based map system to find where they're going and have multiple choices a free one that comes with your phone yeah for your $700 phone but get you know, cut me right. some slack in my explanation here or you could buy nine others some with celebrity voices yeah you know what i mean like People like and the Republicans love to talk. I mean, obviously, they've thrown fiscal conservatism out the window with their tax cut and with the military budget they put forward. It was a joke. Trump ran a a trillion dollar deficit every single year from 2017 on. He just didn't care. And that wasn't to, oh, my God, we've hit a pandemic and we have to we have to make sure that the, the evergreen that is our economy this barge that has turned sideways in the middle of the Suez Canal with tons. I mean, how many tons of stuff were on the Evergreen? Think about that for a second. Think about a a boat, a cargo boat in 1970 and a cargo and the Evergreen and the amount of goods coming from country to country. Like it's ridiculous. Think about just the Robin Hood millionaires that are being made. People using Robin Hood to buy stocks in a way using buy and sell mechanisms available to to them that literally the heads, the people who made the initial, like the initial stock market millionaires and billionaires, if they had those tools, would have been trillionaires themselves. Their families yeah. would have been in control of everything. Yeah, it was 38,000 tons. Thank you, Bob Carmody, in our chat room. Th- think about a boat, a boat. That doesn't weigh 38,000 tons. It had 38,000 tons of stuff. 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 It was selling. And a lot of it, you know, relatively disposable. I mean, there's a growth industry in landfill just getting rid of 
items in our economy that kings would have killed to touch once. Yeah. 300 years ago that we go, I got a new one. I got, you know, I had these old, I had these headphones, you know, and they link up to my phone automatically and stuff. And I can kind of, I could talk to them and ask questions. If I ever don't know anything, I go, Hey, Siri, what did I, and, and, and if a king had an, uh, had a, an Apple home pod, that actually was hooked up to some magical internet. The, the, the power available is insane, right? So, so when they start clamoring about six trillion dollars, well, what's that six trillion dollars for? And when when the Republicans use it, it's to give a tax break to the wealthiest among us, namely corporations, because that was the permanent one, and then the other half of it goes to the military-industrial complex to. Make and buy new military equipment that we don't need. No. And that we are ultimately, just to keep it from being a huge hole in the budget, selling to countries that we would never sell military gear to before. Hello, Abraham Accords. I mean, that $50 billion in military stuff to the, to the UAE, Bahrain, um, and, and I think Qatar, like there was one other country they were working with. None of them were, by the way, had anything to do with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So I don't know what. Uh, that's another uh, can of worms. That ceasefire is at least holding. That's a good sign, right, as we yeah. lead into the Memorial Day weekend. But so what's, what have the Democrats come forward with in this budget proposal, this $6 trillion budget that, uh, that they put together, which is, of course— in you know the American Rescue Package was 1.9 trillion dollars. There's a 4.0 trillion dollar uh, um, infrastructure, jobs, and economic proposal on top of that. That is effectively the push for the budget. Um, the jobs plan is of course converting us to wind, solar, geothermal, renewables. That will eventually mean, by the way, either micro nuclear or thorium reactors or or, or uh, more efficient nuclear reactors. Um, don't get me started on molten salt, um, but it sounds you know, delicious. It, it, it's not. It's, it burns. Actually, it's very uncomfortable. It goes right through you. I'm just going to say it's a, it, it burns twice. Um, molten salt. Um, so uh, there, are, there are a lot of technologies that are the technologies of the future. Um, that the kind of stuff that will get us off Earth. The kind of stuff that will cure diseases the kind of stuff that will protect us from infection, the kind of stuff that will maintain the environment while, uh, you know, taking pollutants out of the air so that everything downwind isn't murdered by it. So that, um, yeah, it's great. You got a coal field, you got this, you know, this uh, coal mine and and all this uh, leftover coal dust that's part of, you know, you extracting that stuff that just kind of sits there and a good rain comes along and then suddenly eastern Kentucky has you know, 45 years of cancer clusters and birth defects. That's not West Virginia's problem, right? I mean, it's what's not right, Joe Manchin. That's not West Virginia's problem. That's, you know, they take care of their stuff. They make sure that the coal sleuth is stored, the ash and everything is stored near the West Virginia border. <laughs> it doesn't go into the state. Your constituents are fine. Eastern Kentucky, though, is poisoned. But then, you know, Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul don't even have to bother worrying about those people voting anymore because they don't have any money or influence. They're just poor white trash 
who are, you know, born with one eye or, you know, you know, or or, you know, fingers fused together. You know, who cares? You know, they're not they're not they're not the horse owners in Lexington and Louisville. They're not the people who are going to donate. They're just years and years of inbreeding and birth defects and poisoning that have just destroyed an entire community. But it's not West Virginia's problem. It's now, it, and, and now, and now we recognize that you know wind, solar, geothermal, and all the. By the way, there's tons of geothermal in eastern Kentucky that had we been moving towards that for years, the number of lives it would have been saved, the number of babies not born with birth defects, the number of humans that would be operating with their full faculties and not being given external disabilities beyond their control because of how we chose to extract energy because we had no other choice at that time. We didn't know the damage we were doing. There's a certain point where the petrochemical industry and all that kind of stuff, they knew. But before that, it was the growth of energy and we were like, holy smokes, oil, you can burn it for this, you can burn it for that. We've been burning oil and oil lamps forever. What's the big problem? This is amazing. And once you find out, you go, okay, how can we better ourselves? Well, it's going to take time to tip this over, and it's going to need help. Um, That's in the American Jobs Plan. That's the kind of stuff the Democrats present when they're in power, when they're governing, and they present a big budget outlay. Not a $2 trillion tax break for rich people who don't need it to buy another one of something they already have that they already don't use. And they get the people who will never be affected by those tax cuts to agree with them and to fight for them. Right, because it's the lotto mentality. We got to take a break. But when we, it's it, the idea is if I ever win, I don't want the government taking half my stuff. Well, that's not how it works. And a lot of people, the reason why we think that is because the government doesn't, you know, and it's there's all sorts of variant tax law about how you do this. And it needs this would be the change I think you could actually pass through. I have an idea on taxation, on big money exchanges that, uh, you know, some of it exists already, but part, it could be expanded, at least vocalized more, that would take that group of people, the one time, I'm going to win the lotto, I'm going to, this is going to happen to me, I'm going to make it, I'm going to strike it rich crowd and make them wake up to the fact that they're being used by the people who don't strike it rich, who are born rich and keep staying rich and just their money's making money on money. That's right. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. So um, a lot of um, the um, the budget itself that, you know, the White House put forward um, is I mean, it's huge. This is I mean, there's a lot to and I don't mean it's huge in just its amount, but I'm going to slide it over on the screen for people on the chat to look at uh with me but um this is for fiscal year 2022 um budget of the united states this is a whole i mean this is a real document this is not uh we'll do a continuing resolution and pretend everything's fine it's that that right do your Same. own research yeah right you obviously haven't done your research um so you know in in the there's a there's a they are doing such a smart thing in the actual budget itself in that they are keep the table of contents only has six elements. Now, there's a lot of stuff in there, right? 
But the table of contents is pretty easy. One, budget message of the president. Two, confronting the pandemic and rescuing the economy. That's the primary thing. What you know, that's what our their raison d'etre currently is. Building back better, which is the next phase. Delivering results for all Americans through equitable, effective, and accountable government. Cool. So you want to know where the money's going. You want to make sure that everybody gets a shot at it if they're looking to be a government contractor and that, you know, underserved communities aren't continually being underserved. And by the way, if you're underserved, it does, that's not affirmative action or any kind of stuff like that. It means you're literally not getting your fair share. Yeah. So it, it, there is a level, on, uh, it is not like, well, they're there where they are. And now they're getting more, and that's unfair. No, no, no. They, they're getting less, and now they're going to get the same amount. That's what's actually happening. Okay. Summary tables, and then the OMB contributors to the 2022 budget, which is the people who broke it down and all that kind of stuff. This is um, the, and, and the right-wing talking point freakout is off the charts about this budget, right? The clamoring that, oh, my God, it's, oh, it's the trillions. Oh, the trillions. Meanwhile, Trump Trump dumped nearly eight trillion dollars on the uh, on the economy last year alone. Just I mean, and he was, by the way, do you remember what his arguments with Jerome Powell? Everybody forgets this. Remember Trump's complaint about the Fed that we should have a negative interest rate? That the, the, you know, no, I don't remember that, but that sounds about right. On and on and on. Um uh, I'll, I'll even, let's see, Powell, uh, Trump, negative interest. Um, so uh, this is May 12th, 2020. Powell is expected to quash idea of negative rates, even as Trump says U.S. would benefit. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell is expected Wednesday to discuss his view of the economy and the Fed's policy actions, but market pros are waiting to hear him say the Fed has no plans for negative interest rates. There was never, nobody's doing that. We're not... We're not going to pay banks to print money. It's bad enough that you allow them to print it for a very, you know, a tiny margin, right? You can loan it into existence at a very low margin, but there's got to be a margin there. And the more, by the way, this is the other thing. The more money that gets loaned into existence, this is all like they all they're doing is printing money. As you, you lower that interest rate, you can loan more money into existence, but you're also the Fed makes more money because there's more money in circulation. Eventually, that money gets paid back and it no longer exists. That's where you start, they buy securities. That's the idea that it goes out and you start raising the interest rate again. But when you lower that, there's a lot more out there. You're getting a thinner slice of a larger pie, but the, the slice of the pie you're getting is still enormous. It's it, in many cases bigger than the giant piece of a smaller pie you were getting before as far as interest rates the Fed gets, right? So that's the balance they're always walking. There's no way that Fed that that Powell was going to was going to go for that ever. So Trump tweeted that the US would benefit from negative interest rate meaning investors would pay the treasury to hold US debt. The market for the first time uh, priced in a, a negative Fed funds in the futures market last week as investors speculated the Fed could change its mind and at some point in favor of negative rates that they were going to listen to Trump and they were never going to. I'm just telling you. Like, that's everybody. There was a bunch of people going, look, he's pressuring people and we got to do something because we're going to get, a, you know, his, his followers are psychos. And they're, and, the, and they're virulent in the Republican side of the economy, or in the Republican side of the House and, and Senate. Um, so we're going to have to placate that a little bit. We'll drive it down some. But we were entering a, 
a, a downturn, you know, last February. And Trump was, everybody was telling him this. Before the pandemic hit, before all this stuff happened, that's why he was in a race to sign his Chinese trade deal. That's why he was in, a, you know, he held off on dealing with the pandemic because he was afraid it would wreck the stock market. Because all the signs already pointed to we were ha- heading towards a deficit or towards a, a, a recession. Right. And that there was, a, there was a real problem there. And that's why he kept going after Jerome Powell and complaining that Powell wouldn't get us negative interest rates and bring us back. Right. That's where his, his economy was roaring. And now Powell's going to ruin it because the chickens were going to come home to roost. All of his just abstract spending on everything was going to, you know, was going to blow a hole in the budget and also not go anywhere because it was all government spending on stuff we didn't need. We need roads. Do we need that many more battleships? That's the question. Are, and, and this is probably the fight between what would arguably be the Trumpsters and the, uh, and the Progressive Caucus. Outside of the realm of what you think is infrastructure, does paying people to build battleships for a war we're not going to be in, and that we're not going to fight, you know, we're going to use other types of ships if we need them at all. We're not going to use these. We're going to use, a, a, you know, aircraft carriers. Why do we need more battleships when aircraft carriers are so much more capable and they deliver, you know, more of what we need? Um, Isn't that the same if you're using reconciliation to pass your budget and go, yes, this is part of infrastructure? Um, Isn't that the same as child care on the part of the Progressive Caucus, building child care centers for people to use for free? Because that gets them to work. People can, you know, have a place to park their kid while they go to work. And their kid is getting a nutritious meal and, and a little bit of instruction and being treated very nicely. And then they pick them up after work uninterrupted and have a nice family meal and talk about their day. Um, if that was available to all communities, does it mean all communities will use it the same? No. But if it's available, is that part of infrastructure? Is that a necessary part? Or is that just a, a, a perk a, you know, uh, membership has its privileges in being an American citizen. You know, the American Express part of being a citizen. Yeah, no, no, no. Is that is it socialism? Is it capitalism? Is it a, is not part of the the question? We're a rich nation. Socialism or capitalism aside, our nation is so great. We, as a democracy, have been decided we can use our tax dollars because we have more of them than other countries to make sure that the poorest among us have food, shelter, uh, child care jobs, creation, education, those kind of things. Not because it's socialism or capitalism fighting each other over how these governments work, but because membership has its privileges. Citizenship has its privileges, right? That's what makes America great. It's not that should people be paid by the government to go to work or should the government supply people with child care or any of that kind of stuff, but that as the richest nation in the world, because we allow for these other freedoms and these giant tax breaks for corporations, yada, yada, we have so much money, and we do, that instead of building battleships, we spend more money on you know cyber warfare because that's the battlefield of the future, and we can educate our kids because we're going to need smarter soldiers, not just cannon fodder like you know we used to send into battle and just go well you know if they don't come back you know it's one less person flipping burgers right that's how you know sending poor kids to war. Right. Um, And by the way, the whole, uh, oh, my God, the army and the CIA are going woke. You want to know the the background, the reason why those ad campaigns are happening right now? 
I'll tell you after the break. We got to take a break right now. It's, uh, see what I did there? I think bloop, nice. and then I reeled it in and all that kind got of stuff. Excited. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting the show, by the way. Don't forget, you can super chat at infotainmentwars.com, and you can also uh, become a member at twitch.tv slash Sparks. You can subscribe there. If you're an Amazon Prime su- subscriber, it doesn't cost you anything. You can subscribe at Twitch, support the show. If your kid's on Twitch, and they're like, Ugh, use your subscriber thing to subscribe there. Just help us out. They'll show you how it works. <laughs> They'll t- you'll have your 13-year-old talk you through it. And, um, and of course, you can also become a Patreon. Uh, our goal is 1,000 patrons. That would make us have uh, 118th the number of the lowest-rung right-wing um, YouTube channel. Just saying. 1,000. I mean, and half of that of people who do watercolors for a living. I'm just saying. I know we're fledgling, so I can complain. But 1,000 would be great. Uh, we'll be back right after this. It's the Housemarks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Welcome back to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. It's now time for the happy ending. Yay! Yay. First of all, um, I want to extend a very heartfelt thank you to um, all the veterans who've served this country, and uh, the and we and we truly appreciate the freedoms you fought for, so that we can experience them. Um, that kind of sacrifice. That kind of offering yourself up for something that you believe in on that scale is something that I think a lot of people who don't serve or don't have family that serves can't even really fathom and may, in their speaking about it, be flippant or dismissive or short give short shrift to it. And that is unfair and, uh, and never in my presence, I'm just saying. So on a personal note, I want to thank you. Um, uh, I want to also show my due respect to those who have died for that very thing, for fighting for the freedoms of people they may even disagree with wholly, but fighting for the right to disagree, which is the primary thing that, you know, the fighting for the right to peacefully disagree and come to a, um, a conclusion on policy and the idea that literally, ironically enough, fighting for the possibility of bipartisanship, as it were, um, uh, the, the respect I have is never ending. And to the families of those who have served and were lost and wounded and to the families that serve now who miss their relatives when they're away, who worry about them when they're uh, overseas or gone or on training missions or going through the process of, you know, of, of practicing with very dangerous elements that may or may not um, endanger their lives even outside the, the theater of war um, my undying love and respect to you guys as well and I want to say thank you um, and I hope that everybody has a, a wonderful Memorial Day filled with reverence and respect for the reality of that and any thoughts that you might have about but this and but that can be put aside because that's not what you do when you're at the funeral of someone so behave in that way with the due respect of those that deserve it, the heightened behavior, the heightened respect. You can still disagree with misuses of power, misuses of military might, misuses of you know the actions of members of the military. That, that has nothing to do with Memorial Day. That's a, that is wholly dis, actually wholly disconnected from Memorial Day. As a matter of fact, you... You are your criticism of those things is more warranted when you can understand, contemplate and respectfully uh, appreciate 
the sacrifice made by those who aren't that. So um, that and I am, I you know, <laughs> I will occasionally get pushback um, on that. Um, and for the record, I don't care. Um, it's not a take. It's not an opinion. It is my deeply held principled belief. And therefore, anybody who uh, craps on that idea um, shows who they are and has no effect on who I am. That's how that works. And that's the difference, you know, in many ways online between a principled idea and a take. Um, and so I, I, I will stand with that uh, and, and I am unbending in that. I don't care. And n- nothing said on the other side of that. I mean, I, I honestly, I look at it with a certain bemusement, genuinely, when I, when I do hear those kind of criticism. Yeah, but on Memorial Day, we should remember that. No, we shouldn't. Um, because uh, the inability to have reverence for someone who gave their life so that you could complain like you're complaining um, is, uh, it takes work. It takes character. And if you don't have it, then why am I not, you know, I don't, I don't like, why am I even listening to you about anything else? I think is the other thing. Um, So in terms of that, I, um, I, I don't know that that qualifies as a happy ending, except for maybe the joy and reverence you have for people who have actually made that kind of thing. And, and the steady appreciation for those among us, you know, it's funny that we can say, you know, uh, uh, you know, there seems to be a movement um, in certain sectors of the left about, you know, for uh, we love our first responders except cops. It doesn't work that way. Um, and if you go, well, but cops are blah, blah, blah. If you can use those terms and you're broadly using those terms against a group of people, not only are you being bigoted yourself and uh, and and a washing an entire group of people, many of them racially uh, and and sexually diverse um, in, in and amongst them. Um, but also you are giving permission to the bigots of the world to do that very thing themselves. Oh, okay. If it's okay to say this entire group is bad because of the actions of a few, well then, okay, fair game. Everyone in this group is evil because of the actions of a few. Right. At some point you must be bigger than that. And it takes work. And again, that's why on this show, we don't fear complexity. I don't, uh, I don't have a change. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, absolutely. I'd much rather use just an app to pay for things. Cause honestly, can we, I mean, <laughs> I was kind of doing like a, uh, Wayne's world Garth move there. Yeah. Right. Do change. <laughs> right. No, I, and I was literal, I was going literal. It's disgusting. You I change. Yeah. yeah I found, I found a penny in the, in the wash. And even after it'd been through the wash, I was like, that thing's disgusting. I'm not going to touch it. It's terrible. Coin, coin money probably caused the plague. I'm just saying. But like, here, have some of these. I've had them in, I've had them in my pocket near my genitals with just a fine level of, of fabric between them and you. And now I'm going to touch them after I've rubbed my nose and scratched myself. And I have this little bump on the back of my neck that feels a lot bigger than it is, but I can't stop picking at it. It's a quarter, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> it feels bigger than it is. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, it, yeah. Somebody, the prop says TMI. I'm sharing this. 
I'm I'm sharing this. You know, we all that's one of the areas. I, I will stand by that. I think here's the thing. If we have a happy ending, and I think that we do, it's that the vast majority of the bill present the uh, the budget presented by uh, the Biden administration will pass the House and Senate will be enacted in some form, probably over the summer, probably during August, because the dead time during August, when the news kind of looks the other way, because we're going to have a huge like there's going to be concerts, there's going to be live events, there's going to be slow speed car chases and nutcases running around. And God knows it's America. We'll have a mass shooting. Those kind of things will eat a lot of the bandwidth. uh, And take that bandwidth away from politics. And it always does during August, most of the time especially now that we're recovering from the pandemic and we're getting back into the role of things because we're going to move into a period where as Biden's president over the next year, as much much to the chagrin of the political class, that uh, we'll have a bit of invisible uh, executive. It'll just be functioning and all the fighting and crap will be the MTGs and Matt Gates of the world running around the country trying to avoid a subpoena by uh, hiding behind packs of maggots you know, and going, what, you know, aren't we all child sex traffickers? Come on, guys, they're after me because they're after you, right? So um, August, more than likely, or somewhere leading up to then, while the su- everybody's busy with the summer, a version of the infrastructure bill will get passed. And during the school year, when schools start getting rebuilt and they fix the ventilation systems because money's going to be coming in already from that, from the, from, the, uh, from the rescue package, from the, you know, from the COVID rescue package, that money's going to be spent this fall re-outfitting, putting, you know, UVC lights in all the um, in all the schools, which will cut down on the number of uh, flu cases, which will save another 10,000 lives. And everybody will shrug that off. But it will, um, you know, that the stuff that the Trump administration couldn't be bothered to. The House uh, Democrats and the Senate Democrats wanted to put it in. Biden finally got it in his in his plan. Um, all that stuff. It's going to start working its way out. And the infrastructure bill is, the large portions of it, if not all of it, are going to get passed through reconciliation sometime this summer. And they'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth, and they'll be afraid of it, and those checks will start being written around Christmas time, and a lot of people will get brand new jobs working on brand new infrastructure projects and have the first good Christmas they've had in two years. Some people, first good Christmas ever. Then you watch the fight over 2022. Holy smokes. That's what they're afraid of. And they should be. Because functioning government is the kryptonite of republicanism. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to be a Patreon. Patreon.com slash HowlSparks. Support us in any way you can. Every little bit helps. Thank you for the super chats. Thank you for the bits. Thank you for the uh, the eyeballs. Thank you for trolling us, the trolls that are out there. We appreciate you blowing up the algorithm for us and expanding our channel and helping us get into the uh, upper echelon. And by the way, you can now community push us, uh, give us a community boost on twitch.tv slash HowSparks. You can go in there. There's a little community boost thing where you can help. You can be a, you can accident, have us be sponsored. It's really easy. It doesn't take much. We'll tell you more about that on the regular stream. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time.